welcome to the joyfulness broadcast today i've got jazz the she's a writer and a workshop facilitator at love and liberation liberation and love sorry whichever liberation one. And love. <laughs> thank you jazz for being here with me no, thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here yeah okay so i mean i'm excited by your stuff it's really interesting um oh, thanks honest communication is a anything to do with honesty and truth is something I'm interested in. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, how did you start? That seems like a good question. How did you get into it? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's start from the start. Know, if you don't yeah. know, what do you do and how'd you get into it? Yeah. For sure. Yes. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a writer. Um, so I, at the moment I'm writing, um, a blog about all sorts of things, but sort of focused on, yeah, vulnerability, human connection, relationships, love, um, <clears throat> And yeah, I write a podcast as well, um, like a bedtime stories for adults podcast, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, I do that with my friend. And yeah, and I run workshops on nonviolent communication, or it's also called compassionate communication, um, which is kind of what it sounds like. It's it's kind of teaching people to connect with each other with more and and with themselves with more compassion, more empathy, more understanding, more love. yeah, so that's that's what I spend most of my time doing, those two things. Um, oh, awesome. And yeah. how did you get into all that? Um, so I think I first heard about nonviolent communication um, maybe like five years ago, something like that. And it was kind of in my periphery for a while. Like I, I, It wasn't something I was really focused on, but it's kind of like buzzing around me a little bit. Mm. Um, and I think the first time I really started looking into it with, was with my, my ex-boyfriend. Um, he was really into communication. And when we started dating, we read a book together about like, um, having crucial, like how to have crucial conversations, how to have like high stakes conversations in a way that, um, yeah, where everybody feels heard and everybody can contribute and it's much Mm. more peaceful than like, you know, trying to wrestle over who's right and who's wrong. Right. Um, So that was probably my first introduction. And that kind of became part of our relationship, which was which was great. Like it I'd never really approached a relationship like that, like from a from a very structured kind of mm-hmm. point of view. Um, at least the communication side of it. And it was really it was really great. Um, yeah, and then a few years later I attended a workshop um with a teacher called uh Kelly Bryson. Um and he's really amazing. He's like he's like this 70 something year old guru but like also really playful and funny he's like he's very hard to describe but he's he had a really huge impact on me and that workshop specifically kind of shifted my path more towards learning more about nonviolent communication um and eventually yes starting to run workshops myself oh cool mad story Mm. um so (laughs) okay this is cool awesome opportunity to understand more about it um Mm -hmm. what would what would be like the essence of compassionate or non-violent communication that is an awesome question um yeah the essence is connection really It, it really revolves around the idea that as humans we we want and need connection um but that we often get distracted or get lost or become defensive or um yeah, start blaming each other or blaming ourselves, fall into judgment instead of connection, but that if we can constantly be bringing ourselves back to connecting with another person, that, yeah, we'll sort of, it keeps us on track 
that philosophy, that, um, yeah, that value of connection. Cool. So how mm. does, how does that, do you have like a structure or is it like really mm -hmm. flow, flow stuff or how, how does, I'm just really curious how this looks, how yeah, cool. a workshop um, or something would look. Yeah. So, so it's kind of, I mean, the way I describe it and the way I understand it is that it's both a philosophy and a methodology and you can't really have one without the other, I think, in my experience anyway. Um, so as I said, yeah, the philosophy is connection and mm. empathy. Um, and then the methodology, it's actually like a really simple four-step structure that kind of helps to guide our interactions when we, when we feel like we're getting lost. Like for me, when I feel like I'm getting like overwhelmed by emotions or I start judging something or somebody, having this four-step structure kind of helps bring me back. Um, right. So the, the structure is um, observations, feelings, needs, and requests. Um, and there's obviously like more, <laughs> more information to go along with that, but that's kind of the, these are the four steps that we follow um, to, yeah, to help to guide those conversations. So what are those, just you always kind of refer back to those steps to make sure you're being clear in your communication? Is that, mm -hmm. is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Would you like an explanation of like what that means in practice? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the thing is it's a, it's quite a simple methodology, but the thing is it's like it's not always easy. Um, <clears throat> I think because we're so used to like what most of us have been brought up in an environment that relies heavily on on blame and judgment and defensiveness, you know. Mm. Um, I don't I think most of us are not very well equipped from the get-go like unless our parents were really conscious about it like we're not very equipped from the get-go to yeah approach conflict constructively um but these four steps kind of help give a bit of yeah guidance for that so so the first step is observation and that just means like looking at the situation factually i think often we have the tendency to sort of project our own stories onto a situation, like our own issues, our own insecurities. Um, and it can be really, really hard to actually differentiate between what's happening and what we think about what's happening. So like learning how to make observations is really, really useful for that. So for example, like if I'm with a friend and we're having a conversation and I'm talking about something that's important to me and she pulls out her phone and starts texting or something. Like in that situation, the facts are we were talking and she pulled out her phone and started using it, right? Like that's sort of the baseline reality. Mm. Um, but if I start thinking like that the reality is we were talking and she was rude or we were talking <laughs> and she was ignoring me, like I'm immediately putting judgments on top of a situation yeah. that if I just looked at it objectively, maybe wouldn't be as triggering, you know? Mm. So that's observations. Okay. Um, feelings is like understanding in that moment what I'm experiencing emotionally. So there's actually there's two parts of NVC. There's like honest expression and there's empathic listening. So in honest expression, it would be understanding what I'm feeling. In empathic listening, it would be trying to intuit what my friend might be feeling. Um, and what's really cool in NVC is like there's a there's like a list of feelings vocabulary that we can use um, and it's published like all over the internet. You can find it if you type in NBC feelings list, it's, it's everywhere. Um, and this list is super important and like, it's such a cool resource because I think so many of us don't have the vocabulary to talk about like 
emotions very well. Mm. Um, and also, like, we tend to say things often like, I feel abandoned or I feel ignored. But abandoned and ignored are not really emotions. They're judgments. It's, it requires somebody to abandon me. It requires somebody to ignore me. So maybe what I'm actually feeling is, like, sad and scared, you know? So right. it's like... Okay. Yeah, so sort of shifting the focus onto what's happening in me rather than like what am I judging about the situation or oh, judging about the person. Because yeah. yeah. so this implies that you have been it's like a judgment ex- additional layer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this is interesting because if I say to somebody like, Hey, I feel abandoned by you, like that's not really there's no connection there. Like what I'm doing is I'm actually judging them and pushing them away right Right. but if i say like hey i'm actually feeling kind of sad and scared like how much more does that open up the conversation to empathy and connection you know Mm, that's actually super powerful like just the way like the words that we use are really yeah really important um i know i'm speaking a lot here so oh no that's cool this is really (laughs) slow down let me know this will be awesome for everyone um okay yeah so we're on around feelings feelings okay yeah so observations feelings the next one is needs um so in nbc actually this is kind of what like to a large degree the whole philosophy centers around um like the idea that in every moment in every action we're all just trying to get our needs met in one way or another Uh, and sometimes we do that collaboratively and sometimes we do that tragically you know so Mm. Um, but like when we recognize like okay whatever I just did like rather than judging it as like being good or bad I can just see like okay that action was trying to get a need met cool like I can have empathy for myself and same for other people like if so in this instance if my friend was taking out her phone like maybe she was feeling anxious about something and she felt the need to um, yeah to take responsibility for whatever it was that was causing that feeling so like when I see that when I have empathy and think about like okay what are the needs that are at play here it's much less I'm much less likely to get maybe upset or I mean not that being upset is a bad thing but I'm probably less likely to judge my friend for what's happening right Right. Um, or if I know that in that moment like I was feeling frustrated because I would really need connection like I can understand why I'm feeling angry and it's not my friend's fault like there's no there's no fault at play Mm. it's really just like okay we had different needs like that's okay (laughs) you know so and again there's a needs list as well which is really really helpful because um I think a lot of the time like we tend to mix up um what we actually need with what we what we expect to happen so like if I think my need is for my friend to pay attention to me and she can't or she won't, then I'm stuck, you know, like then I have no way of getting my need met. But if I recognize it's a need for connection, like this broader overarching, like universal human need, you know, then I can find other ways to meet that need. Maybe it's just like, just by empathizing with my friend, I feel a sense of connection. Uh, So she doesn't necessarily have to like be listening to me, but like I can create that connection by having empathy for her, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's actually like really, again, really, really powerful to, to pay attention to like these universal needs. Like it, it could be, I don't know. Yeah. Like connection or play or stimulation or rest or knowledge or yeah. Like there, there are lots of 
these needs that we talk about mm. in NVC. Um, and that's a, I find it to be a really, really great connecting tool, like to connect to myself and to connect to, to connect to other people, because um, it kind of opens up like this understanding of the situation. There's suddenly like a, a bigger picture at play, and that helps a lot for me. Mm, cool. And then yeah. it kind of interweaves with observation as well, because you're well in this example you gave, you kind of observe that well, your real need is to feel the connection, and then you see. Mm-hmm you can connect more by connect actually connecting with the situation rather than complaining yeah exactly yeah they all kind of feed into each other cool yeah um and then the last the last uh step is requests um so requests for honest expression and i would call it um offerings for the empathic listening side so like if i'm again if i'm focusing on myself and i noticed in that moment like okay i actually really do need connection um, and the way one of the strategies I would like to meet that connection that meet that need for connection is to ask my friend to to put down her phone and listen to me like that's also a valid request to make you know as long as it is a request and not a demand right and this is like this is for me honestly this is the part that I find most difficult still mm. um, I know I have the tendency to to still like make demands disguised as requests and i think what's really important like for differentiating those two things is like is knowing okay how would i react if they said no if i request like hey would you mind putting down your phone and she's like actually i i'm not comfortable with doing that right now i have something else i need to do and i feel like i start pouting or i'm like okay fine whatever like you know that then it wasn't a request and i wasn't really respecting her autonomy um yeah, but, but what's really cool about that is um, I, I really like the idea that nobody's ever saying no to something that you request. They're saying yes to something else. Like for mm. her in that situation, like there was something bigger that was more important to her. And that, that's okay. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the most important person in everybody else's life and that's fine. <laughs> so my requests aren't necessarily everybody else's priority. That's a big realization. That's a big realization. It is. It's like, yeah, I need reminding sometimes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we all tend to obviously focus a lot on what's happening on our, in our own heads to a degree, you know, because that's what we have, you know. We're the center of our drama, aren't we? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and like, that's okay too, you know, like, but uh, recognizing that everybody else is the center of their own drama, I think helps balance things out again. (laughs) Um, yeah, and so so anyway, so making requests like that is my um, is the honest uh, expression side of things, um, and the empathic listening might be to offer something to my friend, and that can be non-verbally. Like if I notice that she's okay, so like if I go through the four steps, like I observe that she's taking out her phone, I imagine maybe she's feeling anxious, I I perceive that maybe she has a need for um, for responsibility. And maybe in that moment, like the best way that I can support her is just by being patient. You know, maybe I don't actually have to say anything. Or maybe I can like say, hey, I, I imagine you have something you need to deal with. Like, take your time. I'm, I'm happy to wait. Something like that, you know, like, but genuinely offering support. Um, and so these are re- like two really, really powerful things, like to recognize the needs of others and be able to support them and to recognize your own needs and to be able to ask for help or offer yourself help, you know, if, depending on what the need is. Mm. 
yeah, so those are the four steps, like in a very, very short <laughs> version. Um, so and yeah, you can kind of see like it's quite simple, but not necessarily easy. Yeah, well, I'm sure with practice it kind of gets. Of course, yeah. But when you're starting out, it might be a bit hard if we're not used to it. Um, yeah. And on that last step, is it, it's kind of sounded like that needs part was all kind of focusing on what you can give rather than mm-hmm. take from the other person. Like, yes. So in terms of the empathic listening side, mm. like if I'm focused on the other person, I'm giving empathy to the other yeah. person, then yeah, it's offering support for them. Um, but if I'm sort of focused on myself and like, um, yeah, the honest expression side, then I might ask for help. Like, Hey, would you mind putting your phone down? Or, or if I, if that person's not able to do that, this is why it's really important to remember what the needs are. Cause if my need is for connection and I ask my friend, like, with a strategy hey could you put your phone down and she says no like because i know my need is connection i can find other strategies to meet that so like i said maybe just offering empathy for her would meet my need for connection or maybe i like go and call somebody else and ask like hey do you mind listening to this story for a second you know so we have other options um marshall rosenberg the the guy who created nbc he says, and I really like this quote, and it's something I'm trying to remember. He says, um, empathy when you can't, uh, sorry, empathy when you can, honesty when you can't. So like, if you have the energy and the capacity to give empathy to another person, that's always the best option. Because it's like, it's immediately connecting, you know, you're not trying to get something from somebody, but you're offering yourself to somebody. And that in itself is a very healing thing, I think. Mm. Um, But of course, there are times, and I find this as well for myself a lot, there are times when I don't have the capacity or I feel that I don't have the capacity to to offer something to somebody else. And in that time, that's when honest expression is really useful. Like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm needing. Would you be able to support me in this? Right. So it's kind of, yeah, it's balancing and it's finding the right moment for each of those things, you know? Okay. And yeah. so interesting question. How would you differentiate empathy from compassion? That's a really good question. And I don't know if I have an answer to it. It's something I think about a lot. All right, cool. (laughs) Um, I think Marshall Rosenberg does differentiate between them, but I, yeah, I can't say that I know. (laughs) Maybe we can can come to some sort of recognition of something. (laughs) Yeah, Um, of course. (laughs) How do you view empathy? Um, empathy for me, and I think this is the way Marshall Rosenberg talks about it as well, is like being with somebody in their process, like not necessarily being in the process, but like being present with somebody for their own process, whatever that might be. Like if they're angry, if they're sad, if they're tired, if they're happy, like just being present with them, um, and giving space for it. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a nice understanding of empathy. Okay, cool. That sounds compassionate to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's I don't know how to differentiate them to be honest. I think I use the words interchangeably a lot of the time. Right. Okay. Because uh, sympathy is I mean it's my understanding. There's sympathy mm. is when we kind of feel pity and mm. sorry for someone. Yeah, I think so. Which is different to just being with them as they are, which sounds yeah. compassionate. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a really nice, um, there's a really nice exercise that I do in some of my workshops. And I I got this exercise from Kelly Bryson, actually the the teacher I mentioned earlier. 
Hmm. Um, called Hands Up, Hands Down. And it's a really simple game, but I feel like it kind of embodies um, NVC. And it's just like two people sit opposite each other and you start with your eyes closed and your hands down. And like when you're in that uh, position, your, your goal is simply to just connect with yourself, like whatever that means to you. Like just be present with yourself, like just feel, yeah, feel into yourself, you know. And then if and when, and the if is important, if and when you feel like contact with your partner, you can open your eyes and put your hands up. And you're each operating on your own rhythm. So you're not like trying to get cues from your partner as when to like when to put up your hands. And there's no right or wrong way, right? Like you're just being with each other when you're ready to and being with yourselves when you need to. And the the aim also, I think, is to maintain connection with yourself even when you have your eyes open and your hands up. So like you're constantly in connection with your partner, but constantly in connection with yourself as well. And what's cool about this I think this kind of embodies empathy. It's like to know when you're able to be open to somebody else, you know? You're not like, yeah. What's interesting is often when we play this game, like if you both have your eyes open at the same time and one person closes their eyes, to not feel like for the person who stays open, like to not feel rejected and for the person who goes down not to feel guilty, like, this is, and it's, it's crazy how powerful, like, those emotions come up in this game. Like, it's a really simple game, but it really plays on that, like, I don't know, that guilt or responsibility we sometimes feel to caretake, you know, like, to take care of somebody else, like, to make sure they're okay, even if we lose connection with ourselves. And I think this game is really good because it practices, like, trusting and accepting that, like, we can't always as you said, sort of like have sympathy, like having sympathy for somebody else, I think often disconnects us from ourselves, you know, and disconnects us from them in a way. Mm. So yeah, whereas empathy, I think is like really consciously choosing like to be able to be there for somebody rather than doing it out of guilt or out of obligation. Oh uh, yeah, which is different. Mm. different. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's a completely different energy. Yeah, well, yeah. there's an interesting one in terms of, you're saying genuinely asking um, remedies and yeah. demanding. There's something interesting yeah. I began noticing relatively recently was it actually doesn't matter what the words that the other person says, it doesn't matter what they are, as their intention matters mm -hmm. and their intention can be like intuitively sensed. And it's mm -hmm. sensed by my, like I've noticed through my own inner honesty, I've been able to notice that it's, it's sensed through my own reaction to what they say. So if they say it with an, with like a genuine, if it's a request, I'm very open to it. There's not a lot of resistance, if at all. Um, if it's a demand, I can automatically sense sometimes with particular people. Sometimes I can sense automatically there's a resistance. And it's really interesting. I can sense how the mind comes in to rationalize the resistance. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this or doing that. Or like, no, this is the reason. But then through inner honesty, it's like, well, actually, the, it was spontaneous resistance. It arose out of nowhere. And mm. I think that was an interesting way for me to see the difference between a demand and a request. Cause, and I can kind of apply that in my life when I'm speaking with people. Because now I know that my, my uh, intention is like automatically sensed by the other person. Whether they're conscious of it or not, it's automatically sensed by the other person. It kind of changes mm. the dynamic a lot because you've really got to be conscious of 
where everything's coming from and really quite and just make sure that it's coming from a like pure place uh which is so fun for me um yeah. <laughs> i love that you're uh like so psyched about it <laughs> oh it's great. so cool it's you get to like mm-hmm. learn the interweaving of how it actually works um and i have like a tool which just allows me to change quickly everything so if i notice something is out of whack i kind of change it instantly mm-hmm. and then go back to the person i'm like oh cool it's different now so i've learned to be excited about everything <laughs> um that's that's an excellent way to approach life i think yeah with the with that kind of like wide-eyed gratitude and wonder um <laughs> yeah i think it's a really beautiful thing oh awesome. i'm really happy i'm <laughs> really happy that you've like found found that tool like to to give you that that's beautiful well it's a cool tool um well thank you <laughs> also in terms of i can kind of relate to that game you were talking about um mm-hmm. the eyes or the hands mm-hmm. um in the, this thing so this tool i use is called site k and in one of the workshops what we do is we we do a so it's a really briefly it's a way to change subconscious beliefs that's what it is i call myself mm-hmm. a programmer of the subconscious mind um that's cool <laughs> and, oh it I came up with a really good analogy. I mean, I didn't come up with it. It just kind of arose and it, and I wrote it down, but um, it was so like, just like any application like Instagram, for example, behind what we see is the application layer, but behind it is like invisible programs, which output what we see. And it's the same thing with human humans. That's what mm. I've come to see is that what we that see. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Thank you. Good to have it verified. Though. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, that works really well. Okay, cool. Well, so this basically allows me, I feel like I can just rewrite the programs as I notice the behavior. So mm. it gives me, oh, this program needs to be tweaked. So there's this in the advanced workshop, um, you do what's called a rapport balance. And a balance is like the the updating the limit the software basically it's like updating the limiting beliefs into supportive ones and the rapport balance was really big for me it was really interesting and so that what we had to do was we sat um i'm pretty sure i can say yeah we we sat (laughs) in um in pairs and so we kind of we i had to tell a story to someone in front of me and they would listen with their eyes and they would be in rapport with me so they'd be listening to me making sure you know doing this um, like normal, like we are right now. And I would, and then we would change it around. I would speak and they would on purpose be out of rapport with me and not listen and put their eyes that way and like start tapping their feet and do. All wow. It's stuff. so funny. Like even just listening to explain that, like, I feel like a, an emotional and like almost spiritual shift in me, just imagining like the difference in those two experiences it's very powerful even just to think about it oh gift from zoom okay Mm -hmm. awesome um well that's in what was really interesting to observe was there was just discomfort it was so uncomfortable to be out of rapport with people like Mm -hmm. out of um and then on the other time i had to listen to them speak be in rapport and out of rapport of them and i was i was actually uncomfortable um in all of them most people were comfortable being rapport, but for some reason, my subconscious, no, everything was out of whack. <laughs> but then wow. I did the balance and I came into rapport. So I came, I became what we call whole brained about it. 
meaning I was, I, I, I like to say at peace with either or, like I wasn't attached to any outcome. I didn't want anything from it. And mm-hmm. change, the shift was instant. I was able to just sit there and be out of rapport with someone in rapport. It didn't matter anymore. And I could actually change because the first time I was trying to tell a story and I was just blabbling and there was like, I was like, what the hell am I saying? <laughs> the second time I was like, this is fun. I could keep going on forever. I don't care that you're not listening. Um, so hmm, wow. I think that that that's maybe that's like another piece um, in terms of how the subconscious comes into play. I think for me that's what, that's kind of where I, my line of interest is. What I have been hmm. with, um, and it's good to kind of have that piece of the puzzle, that instant change. It's really cool. Yeah, that sounds very wow. similar to your game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, what you were saying before about the requesting and demanding, like. Um, Mm. this is why this is why I say like it's really a philosophy and a methodology like because if you just go through the steps if you just go through the motions like but you're not really you know really open or really looking for connection or really honest you know like as you say the other person will feel it Um, and so it's exactly that it's like it's about making that conscious shift back to like seeking connection you know Mm. Um, yeah and it's a powerful thing I, I notice this a lot like I think for me I I do have the tendency sometimes to just go through the motions. I think because I know this structure so well, like the structure itself is really, really easy to follow. But like the, the hard work or like the real work, I guess, is in the shift to that philosophy, the shift to the connection. And yeah, without like real empathy, real connection, real rapport, like you say, like, yeah, it's, you're just reading a script basically. And that's mm. not human (laughs) you know it's not real yeah so putting your heart into it is like the the challenge kind of every time yeah totally which is cool it keeps it interesting (laughs) like it's a it's a constant journey yeah it keeps it fresh doesn't it because it doesn't like it doesn't matter content doesn't matter it's how you put it Mm -hmm. yeah exactly i'm sure you learn something every time you do it well you're just a bit frozen okay yeah 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 (laughs) yeah yeah definitely like I feel like I'm constantly learning this like afresh and it's like a spiral you know like you kind of like you never come back to the same point exactly but Mm. maybe the same point like just a little bit higher you know like um and that's the hope at least to keep spiraling like closer and closer towards yeah like real connection and real empathy Mm. here's a cool question let's see what it takes so what what do you think we're seeking to connect to I'm gonna go out on a limb and say God um but in the broadest sense like in terms of our own divinity and the divinity of others like Mm -hmm. I I actually see and I think Marshall Rosenberg talked about this a lot as well like MVC almost as a spiritual path um and the way I experience it is like like I really I think we're all divine we're all divinity in human skin you know like where the universe experiencing itself as human for a brief moment. Um, And I think that's such a beautiful thing because it means like we have this infinite capacity for love. Like we have this infinite capacity for connection and like, I don't know, our egos, if you want to put it that way, like our, yeah, our human skins, these barriers that we have between ourselves, like kind of trick us into thinking that we're separate. But really, like, I really do think like this seeking for connection is a seeking for reunion, for remembrance of like our divine nature. Does that 
makes sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know this is maybe a little esoteric, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know, this, this is kind of what helps guide me back to that principle of connection. Like this idea of, yeah, this universal love, this divine love that we all have the capacity for and that we all have like within us. But um, yeah, just forget about sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. The um, union, seeking union mm. with something, um, mm. whether that be, I think there was something really good. What I've kind of come to see was uh, looking for similarities and seeing the similarities in everything rather than the differences. And I think mm -hmm. one of the cool ones, I forgot who it was, um, quoted that uh, every, what connects every human is we all don't want to suffer and we want to be happy. And I think yep. that's what connects us all. And then we can also add onto that. We just do whatever we believe will make us happy, whether or not that belief is actually accurate or not. And that's kind of yeah, the, the tragedy, exactly. the drama, tragedy, yeah. of being human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that that really mirrors exactly uh, sort of what NVC espouses, you know, like mm. that we all have these universal human needs, as you say, like in its like in its most basic form, not to suffer and to be happy. And that, yeah, like we're all in every moment just trying to meet those needs. It, yeah, as you say, like sometimes tragically, sometimes beautifully, but nevertheless with the same motivation. And when we can recognize that, like it's, it's very connecting, you know, it's... Yeah. Kind of, it kind of pulls away all the curtains and just shows us how bare, bare humanity. Mm. Um, I think that's just such a powerful and beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, true. Staying to that, like where the motivation of that action is coming from or the intentionality, which mm. I think if we can get to the point of actually recognizing that the intention of everyone is the same as our own intention on some level, <laughs> somewhere, yeah. somewhere, and we can just hold, help, keep our eye on that. I think that's mm -hmm. how very easy to stay um peaceful and compassionate when you see yourself and other people literally yeah Jesus. absolutely yeah that's yeah. a cool one well something i so when people for example say human needs like mm. i don't know i kind of hear an assumption i think what we're seeking is wholeness that's the mm. obvious it's like a magnet that attracts us and we think it's the other person or we think it's mm. another human and maybe we have those wonderful moments with other humans. They're wonderful. But I mean, I'm happiest right now. I can be like, it's like I'm on shrooms walking outside. I'm absolutely alone. <laughs> I <don't laughs> and I'm just, ah. Uh -huh. And I feel very connected, but there's no physicality. Like there's no physicality I'm connected to. So mm -hmm. uh, I guess what I was trying to get at was to like, qu just question the assumption that it's a physical connection that we seek and perhaps that mm -hmm. it's something higher a connection to wholeness to completeness and we just kind of assume like you said because it's like perceptually it seems like we're separate and it's really the first assumption we make is that we're separate but if we investigate like like a pinpoint we actually investigate we can see that it's actually just an assumption and mm -hmm. creates a lot of suffering when we try to constantly connect with others but at the same time it's a beautiful thing so it's not making it wrong but seeing that it's not like the end thing Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with everything you just said. And, and there's, there's, I would say like NVC really, um, really accounts for that actually very well. Like, mm. yeah. And as I said, like there's, I gave like a very short explanation, like yeah. there's sort of more to it, but there's 
like a huge part of it is um is self-connection or yeah what's what's cool again is like because these needs are like quite broad terms like yeah connection or play or stimulus or rest like they can take basically as many forms as you can imagine you know mm. and that's why like so yeah let's take connection as an example like if i know my need is connection like that doesn't necessarily mean i have to you know use or seek another person to find that connection like maybe that's i mean that is one way of finding it but it's absolutely not the only way and as you say like if for you like just yeah like feeling just connectedness like just connectedness itself whatever that means like maybe there's no external thing to be connected to but there's just this inherent experience of like connection to yeah yourself or the divine or existence or whatever like that's so valid and for me yeah that's actually like a really huge part of my my understanding of connection as well like in my experience of connection mm-hmm. um yeah to have this like i think it's really beautiful to to first be able to seek the things you need yourself not always because i think you know then we just become hermits and that's <laughs> like I, I do think we're social creatures and like yeah that connection to each other is is super powerful um but there's something like also really beautiful about thinking like okay what do i need right now like let's say it's trust like okay how do i find trust in myself or trust in the universe or trust in being you know like rather than finding somebody else to trust me or finding somebody else to trust like how powerful and how like potent is my own capacity for trust or for connection or for happiness you know so yeah so there's so much room to yeah to find those things like not just depending as you say depending on another person and being stuck in that dependency like that's not at all what nvc is about like it's quite the opposite actually it's really yeah it's really about like it's about i don't know strategizing as many ways as possible that you can think of to meet that need and like you can try as many of the of them as you like and not all of them will work especially if they depend on other people because like you know they're autonomous beings and they can choose not to help you so Mm. you got to be like yeah you have to think outside of that box of like how do i get other people to meet my needs because if if we get stuck in that thinking like we'll never be satisfied you know Mm. it just doesn't work um and yeah it's it's a really it's a really powerful tool and we see for yeah, connecting and empathizing with yourself is actually like a huge part of the philosophy um, and the methodology to, yeah, to like use NVC on yourself, so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> so cool. it's much broader than just like, yeah, trying to bargain for, <laughs> for getting needs met. Like it's really not that at all. Mm. Well, what arose just then was uh, you kind of have to connect with yourself when you, if you're using this um, NVC, is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. you have to connect to yourself because i mean one of the you have to be able to observe yourself and you're going to mm-hmm. learn about yourself and you're going to learn about your true intentions anyway so it's mm-hmm. like you're connecting with yourself at the same time as connecting with others um so that's that's cool and then learning where those true intentions are and seeking that i, I think for me when i having that connection be like present ever present deepens connection with others makes it mm-hmm. automatic and it's just like a 
it's not a connection based on what the person does or their role in life. Um, it's on who they are. Like you said, like just by, just by them existing, there is a connection, mm. a shared connection of existence is kind of, to me, the ultimate connection. You move past yeah. everything and you just recognize the pure subjective reality is that you both exist or oh, what mm-hmm. hard to, you know, it's wording. It is one thing, but you know, experience is quite, quite different. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it sounds like you you have to connect with yourself in order to use this. You have to be able to be honest about your observations. Right. Yeah. As I said, like it, you can and I can and do like fall into just going through the motions sometimes. So like, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Like in its, in its truest form, in its intended form, like absolutely it involves and necessitates self-connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Time and time again, I just keep remembering or like keep being reminded that like one can't work without the other. Like you can't just go through emotions without really connecting to the philosophy because it's yeah it's kind of just words then and as you said before like it doesn't really matter the words that you say it's like the intention behind it that people feel Mm, that's a cool yeah realization it is yeah it's powerful (laughs) yeah doesn't matter um doesn't matter what you do it matters how you do it i like that one so that you're always bringing the intention of love and kindness and in whatever you do you know if you're mm-hmm. cleaning stuff then you do it to the best of your ability and you just you know if you're in a school environment smile to the kids and stuff and wave everyone yeah. loves the smiley janitor <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's a really peaceful a peaceful way to to be in the world to move yeah. away from and focus on the intentionality hmm. do you find yeah. it difficult to uh i mean you've you've kind of learned a lot about yourself a lot about your own intentions and you've said already that this is also like a spiritual kind of like a spiritual path as well do you find it Mm -hmm. difficult to or easy to relate to other people and to a lot of people coming from that blame space uh i think culturally yeah like i think culturally like that's just very pervasive like this this um tendency to to blame and to judge I think it's something where we're just taught you know um indirectly and sometimes directly like for most of our lives so yeah I think that is like quite common still um the important question though how do you yeah, is how do I relate to yeah. that yeah. yeah um yeah this is a really cool question and it's something people ask a lot actually like how do you how can you or can you use NVC like with people who don't know what it is um, or who don't communicate in that style? And like, that's where empathic listening, like the empathic listening side of things is super important, like super powerful. Um, Cause if I, if I'm speaking with somebody who's, you know, very um, aggressive or who, who turns to blame or judgment um, as a, as a mechanism, then it's it's much easier for me to be swept up into that kind of um, exchange, you know. And I think, yeah, keeping keeping grounded in myself and keeping grounded in that philosophy of connection and empathy is like the only way to get through that <laughs> peacefully. Um, right. And what's beautiful is like this. It offers like 
it offers an opportunity for me to listen to whatever they're saying, but like really see what's behind it. You know, so like maybe they're projecting a lot of blame and judgment onto me. And rather than getting like my immediate response often is like to get defensive, right? Mm. But then that's immediately, it's, it guarantees that we're disconnected. You know, if I respond to blame by, by defending myself. Um, if I want to stay in connection, what I want to hear is the pain behind their words. You know, like, what is it? Like, what's happening in them? Like, what are they feeling? What are they needing? How can I support them? You know, like, rather than turning into a fight, like, turn it, turning us mm -hmm. into enemies, like, I can be on their side. You right. know? And I think offering connection and empathy to somebody who's, like, you know, judgmental and, and blaming is super powerful because, like, you don't expect it. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> like, when, if I'm, like, if I'm in that space, if I'm yelling and, like, judging somebody and blaming them for something and they they like genuinely with real empathy turn to me and say like wow you must be really hurting right now and like I know I see that it's real that that empathy is real that's just like it shatters my whole you know bravado like it's, so it's it's a really powerful thing to be to be able to stay grounded in empathy for somebody who's yeah who's reacting um without that kind of um without those tools you know who's relying on this cultural conditioning of blame and judgment. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. So seeking to like connect and be in union with someone rather than separate yourself and mm. that wall. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a powerful one. I think a cool question that I, I think recently came up was like to just assume that whatever response is justified in the other person from there. I mean, it's obviously justified for them. Otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and then mm. to kind of be like, well, how must their universe look like? Probably doesn't look like mushroom land. <laughs> Probably doesn't look like that. Probably looks like like hell, maybe. Or in in that particular moment, in that particular moment. Yeah. Probably looks like that. And then being able to, like you said, that's like a key point. Coming genuinely from that place, like, because if if it's not genuine, they're gonna sense it. Mm, they're gonna, yeah. You have to really mean it. You have to really mean it um mm -hmm. something uh <laughs> this is like the extreme of it there's something david hawking says it's my it's like spiritual teacher i guess um he says uh so if someone's there in the like alleyway and they have a gun to your head and you just say okay do it it's your problem to be able but you have to uh you can walk away from that if you say it and you really mean it it's your problem not mine <laughs> but you mm -hmm. have to mean it you have to mean it you have to see it that way, like genuinely mm. see it that way. Um, and then you can just walk through that. And that's how I, that's like, to me, like a story about how infinite gentleness can like unravel any anger or hostility towards it. It's not mm. guaranteed, but I mean, at that state, if you really genuinely mean it, you don't carry the way <laughs> <Whether, laughs> your body yeah, drops true. or it doesn't. Um, so I kind of keep that in, cause to me, David Hawkins, absolutely incredible integrity figure of integrity i keep that as like the uh, extreme that extreme as an ideal to mm. strive for so that i would actually be able to <laughs> be like that in any given situation i think a lot of there's like a really big tendency to be like oh but if this happened you don't know how you would react then i mean that's true i don't know how i would react under any circumstance but i think um to be able to say that I should be able to hold to my principles under any circumstance, I think is a really powerful thing. And it might, it, it's been particularly hard given that I don't know 
if it would be the case. But mm. I think what's really powerful is to have people like uh, who've been through like the worst who have done that and you have mm-hmm. them as a point of reference for those people who are like, oh, okay, look at this person. Uh, for me, one of those people is Viktor Frankl. Have you heard Viktor Frankl? No. So Viktor Frankl was a, was a psych, Jewish psychologist in uh, World War II and he was in a concentration camp. He was put in a concentration camp and he wrote... I mean, his question, okay, basically worst possible circumstance right there. Um, stripped to literally nothing, but his skin. So he had nothing left. And he asked what he kind of came was, we came to realize, I guess, was that no one could take his attitude away. So mm-hmm. they could take everything away, but they couldn't take how he would respond, how he would give meaning to what he was experiencing. And I think it's important to hold, I mean, for me, it's important to hold to that integrity that those, if those people can do it, any human could do it because we're all humans. Mm -hmm. We we have the capacity in us to do it as an accurate way to word it. So Mm -hmm. he was able to do it. And why can't I be able to do that in any circumstance? So he came out of that, for example, and he wrote man's search for meaning, uh, which was his accounts in the, uh, in, in Auschwitz and all the camps that he was in and his, from that came his the, what's called the third Viennese school of psychotherapy, logotherapy, which is all about healing through meaning. So it's all about how do you give your life meaning? Because his book is about what gave those people in that camp meaning when there was no like mm-hmm. reasonable reason to live anymore. Um, what gave the meaning? And like to me, those integrous figures are those ones that have to like that help me keep grounded. That even if like, I don't know what I'd do in that situation, in the most extreme situation. I have no idea, but I can at least have faith that if those people do it, the capacity within me is to, there's a capacity within me to do it and it can come up and I can like at least hope for it. You know, I don't know. I have no way of knowing. Let's make that clear. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Right. But you can have faith and that like absolutely decimates any victimhood, any like mm-hmm. victimhood mentality, which is really pal, really palpable in a word. Um, mm-hmm. strong present <laughs> in today's mm-hmm. society. Uh, I, I love, I love, like, I think it's important to negate victimhood because if you, if you're, if you're a victim then you're a victim and you perceive the world as you have no, you, you have no out. Mm-hmm. So it's actually very compassionate to, to, to kind of like snap people out of it. So just be like, no, yeah. you're not. Oh shit. No, I'm not. Oh, I can drop. <laughs> I want. Right. Oh, cool. And then yeah. on. so that that so that's why i was that's why the question arose what's the difference between empathy and compassion because on the surface level it might not seem it might seem compassionate or empath uh compassionate or, or nice to kind of um pamper a victim or someone who sees themselves mm-hmm. as a victim but i see it as like the opposite like what they need is some tough love like may, they need to be heard sure hear them out but it, mm-hmm. there also has to be that balance of being able to say you have to at the end of the day it's up to you to get yourself out of this <laughs> no mm. one else can do it i'm here for you um i kind of see this as like the balance between the masculine and the feminine as well like the feminine that's just going to listen no matter what but then the masculine that's like the the real masculine which is like snap out of it buddy it's up to you <laughs> it's a beautiful mm. which is really that real masculine is kind of and that energy vibe has been lacking in society for a while i think I think 
from the 80s, like Socrates probably when it was around. It's kind of gone out. But yeah, anyway. I think maybe it's been distorted. Distorted. I don't know if it's disappeared, but I think it's been distorted, yeah, to, Mm. yeah, to be more, mm, I feel like we're getting off topic. And to be honest, this is a topic (laughs) like I'm wary of speaking of because I don't know if my opinions are fully formed yet. And I think there's some latent anger mixed in there that I haven't processed yet. So I'm actually going to. That is so cool. So you see, that's amazing example of observation and like honesty. (laughs) Thank you for being an example. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for holding space for it. Thanks for appreciating. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So what you I mean? You just right there. I think that that's what's really important for me. The people who embody, you anyone can say anything, but it's really embodying what you teach and being the teaching rather than saying it. Mm. And I think I perfectly exemplified it. Oh. <laughs> maybe that's why that came mm-hmm. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was a test. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but there was something I wanted to respond to. Um, ah, victimhood. Yeah, this is and and the the difference between yeah compassion and and pity. Um, yeah, I think compassion is empowering and supportive, whereas I think um, pity or sympathy perpetuates victimhood. Right. And I think, as you said, like it's very important. And this is something I've actually been learning a lot in the last in year, maybe, or six months more specifically. Like, I noticed that I have the tendency to slip very heavily into victimhood. And I think this is like a pattern that I've really perpetuated throughout my life. And mm. it's something I'm now like sort of rising out of, which feels amazing. Like, it's so, <laughs> so much better. Yeah, it's super empowering. <laughs> like, yeah, to take responsibility for my own attitude as you said or like my own experience of the world you know like I can't control what happens around me and I can't control other people's actions but I can always control how I respond to them or how I perceive them Mm. Um, and this is like a really really yeah really huge and really important thing I think to to recognize Um, yeah and I was kind of snapped out of it by this teacher again Kelly Bryson (laughs) through something I don't really like the term tough love but um I would say through firm but gentle <laughs> mm, illumination <laughs> let's say okay well <laughs> yeah um and yeah I think it is yeah very I think it's important to empower people to or like to to show people that they already have the power to to change mm. their own lives if they want it um yeah and this kind of comes back again to what we were saying earlier about like finding that connection on that strength and that trust or whatever it is you need, like also finding it in yourself, because if we're just looking outside for those things, I think we're almost perpetuating that notion that we're beholden to, you know, the world, like, or that mm. the world is beholden to us as well, you know, like that it's everybody else's responsibility to give me what I need, which is like very, very, very limiting. Um, and yeah, perpetuates victimhood. So I think, yeah, finding that, it's almost like, and I again, I don't really like the phrase because it's been misused, but like growing a spine kind of, you know, like rather than like sort of um, 
like melting or falling or breaking under the pressure of whatever you perceive around you, like standing up straight, like standing up tall, taking, taking responsibility for yourself and, and moving forward in the world in a way that aligns with your values. I think that's, yeah, it's such a powerful thing. So mm. something I'm investigating a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cool, no, it's well put, putting spine, putting up your spine. I can see what you meant mm. by that, symbolic. Yeah. Yeah. And taking responsibility. I mean, that's the first step to it. Like, if you haven't taken responsibility for your like the basic truth of human nature, then you you can't really go anywhere from. There. Yeah, yeah, you you're a bit stuck. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you have to take ownership. Like, whether you like it or not, doesn't really change the fact that it is what it is. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, but then at the end, like. Another one is you can also kind of use logic. You can say that well, we either are victims and have absolutely no control of anything and we are doomed to suffer, which is not a very nice view of the world. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, either that, like in terms of just investigating the truth, or um, or we are totally free, like, but we can't be one. We, we can't be both. We're either one or the other. We're the victims or we have total freedom. Mm. And if there is any hole sort of the one I like to use is if there's any hole, I guess, I guess the principle of the absolute. So if there's any example of someone who is totally free, who isn't a victim of anything, and you can just generally tell this from who they are, then the, the freedom, total freedom must be true. And I mean, we have Mm -hmm. plenty of examples of people who are totally free. And to me, those are like the, the teachers, the great teachers to me, that's like David Hawking, Jesus and like Buddha, you know, these people who are totally free, totally liberated from all everything, from thoughts, from everything. And if if they can do it, there's another quote, we each have, oh, we each have within us, <laughs> this is a Frick de Frankel one, um, he, he, coming from that experience and he, seeing the worst of everyone, he said that we each have within us the capacity to be Hitler or to be Mother Teresa. And he chooses to mm. nurture, acknowledge, recognize the lovingness, the inner goodness, innate goodness of everyone, which is absolutely like amazing. <laughs> that, mm. That's incredible integrity to one's like principles. That's like, that's a, that's a really high ideal <laughs> um, to look, look at. So that, that's, that's a cool way to just use logic to negate victimhood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, yeah, like we're all, responsible for the choices that we make and like of course we're all dealt a different hand you know but it's Mm. how how we play that hand that really matters you know like you can complain complain about your hand but it's not gonna win you the game (laughs) like (laughs) it's not gonna help you in the long run like you have to do with like do the best you can with what you've got and yeah yeah we can do that in every single moment in every single choice Mm. yeah yeah but do the best you can have what you got i think that sums it up like really well um and you know, there's some people who really, it's, it's, oh, I was watching a movie recently and I think it was called Serenity um, mm-hmm. with Matthew McConaughey. And there was like, I could just, in the situation, I saw like the movie kind of sets up this scene and like the content doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. The context is important. I was like, oh my God, that is such a tough decision. <laughs> like that is so hard to make. I think being able to like, that's basically the human condition. Like there's some point where all kind of, we reach these really 
hard. I mean, innately, most choices are difficult to some degree because we don't know the outcome of them. So mm. there's that innate difficulty that we don't know the outcome of the choices we're going to make. Uh, puts mm. us off to a difficult start. <laughs> um, yeah. So we really have to do the best of what we've got and in terms of what we've got. And that might be what we think is best. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we've got. Yeah. Based Absolutely. on our experiences, our understandings, which is not really in our control, is it? You've kind of mm -hmm. witnessed it with the experiencer. Um, and then we do the best of what we've got. And when you see that, there's just so much compassion for the human race because yeah. it's kind of just miraculous that we're here, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> How do we get here? No idea. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. It's just the fact that we exist at all is ridiculous. <laughs> I think like recognizing that and remembering that fact humbles me and gives me what I referred to earlier is that like wide-eyed wonder, that wide-eyed gratitude mm. and curiosity about the world. Like, what the fuck? How do I exist at all? <laughs> it's such a beautiful realization. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is one. Especially like looking at the history of humanity, so many mistakes over and over again. And then especially when you see how the mind works and it can rationalize. Okay, like one of the, so like in the Bible, in the Quran, in the Quran, God is described, Allah is the infinitely merciful. And yet millions were killed in his name. And like God, the loving, so many killed, so many mm -hmm. killed. There's like that, how, th this, so there must be some sort of like innate uh, fallibility in the human mind to not be able to see that, to not be able to see the problem in that. The infinitely loving God, first of all, all knowing, all powerful, what is, what would, you want with humans mm. why we want your guilt or sin or pity and why why on earth would an infinitely infinitely loving and infinitely merciful god want you to kill someone <laughs> why <laughs> where yeah there are some logical fallacies there <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. I, yeah and i guess it comes back again to like uh, yeah everybody's trying to avoid suffering everybody's trying to be happy right like mm. and I mean, the, the ways we choose to get there, like, are not always, definitely not always logical and definitely not always in the best interest of ourselves and those around us, you know, like, we, mm. we have that tendency to be blinded by those desires, you know, sometimes yeah, we yeah. try to meet those needs in tragic ways. Um, but yeah, like, again, like, when it comes right down to, like, that basic human essence of trying to, yeah, meet those needs. Yeah, we're all like we're all doing that in one way or another. It's just um yeah, as we said before, like trying to find the empathy and the understanding of that like extremely basic human impulse to to avoid suffering and to to reach happiness, you know. And mm. unfortunately some people do that by inflicting pain on other people, you know, like they think that that's how they're going to to reach those goals, but um yeah, I would say that they're not <laughs> not the best ways or not the certainly not the most peaceful ways of um going about that mm. but then it's those people who have to suffer the consequences of their mistakes um <laughs> it, it's and they have to, well they have to they've made those choices and now they have mm. to suffer the consequences they, they have to experience the consequence not suffer maybe but they're mm. usually yeah, the experience of course that is like to suffer <laughs> um, yeah i can only imagine yeah it's a hard 
yeah, that's why I think it's important to like point out the difficulty of the like the human situation and to, mm. to be able to have compassion for that. Like it just comes automatically sure. when you're like, oh my goodness. If you have, if you use the principle that everyone's just doing the best they can, what they got, oh, they thought that was the best thing. Oh, yeah. 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 That's very through. true. What are they going yeah, through? That is a very good way of looking at it. I think like really to have compassion for like, man, if, if that seemed like the best option at the time, like you must be really in pain or you must be really suffering or you must be really scared. Like I think fear is such a huge motivator in decisions like that. Yeah. Like the, like the cornered animal that will just attack anything that's in front exactly. of it. Yeah. Lost, losing control of any reason or, thought rational thought yeah it's a really good analogy actually yeah that that, like that hits something i think that's very (laughs) yeah it's very poignant somehow Mm. yeah cool wait there was something else see if it arises how long are we going okay um it's kind of lost see the mind always <laughs> can't rely on it <laughs> something arises then it goes away <laughs> that, that happens yeah <laughs> okay well <laughs> um so i like to end the podcast with do you have any like one simple action that the listener can take to lead a more joyful life through your own experiences yeah um I would, I would say something really powerful is to take note of what needs your actions are trying to fulfill. Like just go through a day and think of like three things you did that day and try to guess like, okay, what was the need behind that? Like, I think it gives a lot more insight and understanding and compassion for the choices that we make. Um, Mm. And then try to do it for somebody else as well. Like pick three actions that other people have done and try to guess what needs were behind that. Um, mm. I think it's a really nice, very, very simple tool for, yeah, inspiring more understanding and more empathy. Mm. Well, the thing came back. Thank you for sharing that one, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which kind of builds on that, um, is something I've recently found was to, I kind of, one of the things I believe right now, we'll, we'll, we'll see in the long run how accurate it is, is the best action I can take is silent surrender to whatever situations in front of me and just silent observation. So, you know, some, some idea, something that I've realized is uh, something that seems like a good idea, just because it seems like a good idea doesn't mean it is a good idea. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Again, one of those like, wow, realizations. But <laughs> so being able to just sit and let the idea kind of pass on its own, neither, it's a hard one. You neither, neither fear it nor want it, no desire, mm-hmm. no aversion. You, you can get to that place if that's what you value. But you just kind of watch the silent observation and see what happens. And then what tends to happen is like, I've just noticed that the options that, it, to me, awareness is like options in like a video game that appear, pop up. Well, like we could choose this one, we could choose this one, or we could choose this one. But then there's actually always a secret option. And it's secret because it's silent and you can't hear it. And we're so used to hearing stuff hearing thoughts but there's always a silent option there's always always that silent option that cannot be heard and it's just to silently observe the situation and just Mm -hmm. like surrender what you think about it just surrender what you think about it 
And then, mm. I don't know, when I do that, what ha tends to happen is like the room is kind of transformed. Something happens, something clicks. It's cool. Um, but yeah, it's cool that it came back. Useful that it came back. I think that, that's yeah. a really cool one for sharing. Thank you for the needs. To yeah, thank you for the silent surrender. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Awesome. All right, cool. well, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Okay. And listeners, uh, if you like this, uh, give it a like. No, click the stars. Review it on Apple or any podcast station that you listen to. And click the, f you can check out the Facebook page, Joyfulness Broadcast, to be notified of future content and any cool posts I make on that. And I'll see you next time. Stay joyful, my friends.